Run the ball! Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. We appreciate you joining us today. We are obviously pro-run the ball people, or at least I am. As you might have seen those guys outside the NovaCare complex, it has started a discussion of should the Eagles run the ball more. We'll have Kevin Kincaid on. We'll have Rush Joy on. We'll talk about everything from the Eagles to Cowboys predictions to a local woman winning times person of the year and more. So let's get into the show. Kevin. Russ was supposed to be here. Russ was supposed to be here. Yeah, but he's not. He'll come on. He'll do a fashionably late entrance, don't you think? He's a big guy. Uh, he's a big shot now with Snow the goalie uh, broadcasting live from the Flyers uh, balcony from the from the uh, sports book or whatever up there. So Rush just kind of comes and goes as he as he pleases now. You know, nice. Bo Allen shows up on time. Jay Wright shows up on time. Garrett Stubb shows up on time. All of them show up early. They all show up early, actually. Chihuahua. Russ, Look Russ, at Chihuahua. Must be the Rust shows up late. He just doesn't show up at all. And must be taking him out for a walk. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. <laughs> uh, what, what are we like? What is two days? What is three days after that loss? That San Fran loss? Are we like? Are we? Do do we flush it and move on? Do we focus on? I don't really want to focus on Dallas, but I also don't really like. There's nothing really to. Relitigate from the San Francisco losses. Isn't it kind of a weird, a weird Wednesday? A what up Wednesday? A what up weird Wednesday? A little lull <laughs> in the Wednesday. Here comes Russ. Don't put him on yet, Craig. Don't put him on yet. A morose he, uh, week. He he uh, he deserves a little bit a uh, little bit of punishment in the penalty box right now. Um, it is. I don't know. I, I, it's definitely a flush it game. You definitely yeah. flush it. Um. But I feel like we got a little bit more excitement with this, uh, with these guys uh, sitting outside the Novacare complex. The run, saying, run the ball. Wednesday's a weird time to do it. Well, I guess yeah. they are back today. So that means that is a good time to do it. Um, they were off yesterday and they only come in for treatment on Monday. So, yeah, I mean, what are you at on the whole uh, run the ball thing? Because I don't know if the Eagles PR sent out a text. Um, like, like I, we signed Shaq Leonard. And everyone then releases can confirm, but I don't know if anyone if the Eagles PR sent out a text saying, "I want a coordinated effort against everybody who thinks every Eagles fan who thinks we should run the ball because the beats have come out and crushed this narrative, hmm. like in a in in an effort like I've never seen before. You would have thought it was, I don't know." a disgruntled ex-employee, ex-coach of the Eagles who was sitting outside there with a run-the-ball banner, Mm -hmm. the way we've had a coordinated effort. Where are you at on this uh, run-the-ball narrative? Well, I think, as you you said earlier, it's just kind of two two jamokes standing outside in front of NovaCare. I don't think it's anything that really requires any kind of response or narrative correction or, you know, overwhelming... uh, you know, uh, combat combating of the uh, storyline. You know what I mean? Um, I, I will say it's fun. What's funny. First of all, did we, so somebody told us that it was the same two guys from 2017 who were yeah. out there with the roll, the blunt sign. I think that, yeah, I, I use that photo all the time in, in stories. You know, the two guys holding the ball, uh, 
or holding the holding the the roll that blunt thing after. Now now here's what's interesting, Pagans. The um they came out there in 2017 after the second game of the season when they lost in Kansas City. I don't know how much people remember about that game, but they went out there. Carson threw the ball like 47 times or something like that, and they only ran it like 16 times or whatever. Sproles got a couple carries. This is before he was injured, and people were sitting there wondering, like, why, why aren't they running the ball? Give it to the Garrett Blunt. You know, Sproles had like six or seven carries or something like that. And then people were like, yeah, it was like run-pass ratio. You know, it was like a 75% to 25% kind of thing playing against Andy Reid using his old uh, you know, ratio against him, right? But what happened after that? They got LeGarrette Blunt going. They traded for Jay Ajayi, and then they finished that season with the third best rushing attack in the NFL. You know, but it's funny to me because it's a, it's never really a question of what do they need to do. It's should should they do? You look at Craig here earning his money. Rolled that Blunt. They beat the Vikings thirty four to twenty eight in the following week. Yeah, so there's there were the two guys outside of Novak. I swear it's the same. It's got to be. The it same. is. We got. Um, let's just say it is. Okay, so we're just going to assume the guy who messaged us is right, and we're say it's the same two dudes. Yeah, I mean the guy on the left looks like the guy on the on the new photo, but uh, running the ball, pagan, is not a matter of do they need to. It's a ma- It's more a matter of like should they try. You know, like they've beaten teams this year throwing the ball a lot, but they've looked at their they've looked their best when they've been able to get DeAndre Swift going. Yeah, here's what I think. Nine times running the ball in a game, no matter what, is not a good scheme. Having that lopsided of a scheme or, or play calling is not good. It's I, I don't have the numbers on me, but I would say if you run the ball 10 less times or less than 10 times, excuse me, in the history of the NFL, I think you'll probably have a losing record. Well, it's just a matter of people will say, well, they didn't run the ball because they couldn't run the ball. But then I can always come back with that and say, well, did they make an honest effort to even try to establish the run? You know, I, I, that's why it's in an, an endless cycle. You know, I mean, you can win without doing that. You can be a lopsided team. You can run the ball a lot and win and not pass the ball. I mean, look at look at uh, the Army, you know, Army ran the ball 67 times in the one game, you know. So True. do you have to be balanced? No. Should you be balanced? You should at least try. I mean, I don't see it to. See that being a big deal. They want a free rush, Jewish. I bring him in. I'm going to bring him in. That's the first time anyone's ever said that. Army football, by the way, third in in the independent conference, which is not a real conference, but that's what they say right now. Five and six this year for Army. Under 500 yeah. running the ball. Well, maybe they need to pass pass the ball more. Pass that ball. That just doesn't roll off the tongue as much, does it, Russ? Pass the ball? No, it doesn't. Let me hijack the show really quickly. Craig, do you see the thing I sent over in the private chat? The Phillies might have a signing. Like, it just happened 10 minutes ago. Jock Peterson over on Instagram uh, puts up the following. It's always sunny in Philadelphia with dancing on my own and a picture of the Philly fanatic. Wow, Jock Peterson. Is it happening? Like the fantasy football league this year. I did find that apparently like he's been messing with his his fans uh, throughout the offseason about like which team should I sign with. But looking at his Instagram, I don't see any kind of like overt reference to another team like this. But again, this was like 10 minutes ago. So this happened like right at noon. Uh, I don't necessarily know that he's going to be like a big needle mover. Um, His home runs dropped off last year versus the year before he did play in 13 fewer games. Not not a horrible bat to have can still go go yard. But uh, anyway, I just saw that and I thought. Whether it's true or not, he put it out on his Insta, so we're going to... Rusty Newsbreakers. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Jock Peterson, an all-star, 
an all-star in his first year with Gabe Kapler. Did Gabe Kapler make Jock Peterson an all-star? Uh, Jock, you know, I, I will say this was this unlike Buster only saying that Shohei Otani's free agency is a real shame for baseball, which means Buster only. I can tell you that Jock Peterson potentially signing with the Phillies and allowing me to be Rusty Newsbreaker today is not a shame for baseball. I don't know if uh, Tommy fans coming back. Average. I don't know if Tommy fans coming back to the uh, to the uh, Diamondbacks, but if he is, maybe he'll slap <laughs> he'll slap uh, he'll slap Jock Peterson again. We'll get him suspended for the NLCS. Maybe. Who's mm-hmm. to say? 235 batting average, 348 on base percentage, slugging 416, 764 OPS, 31 years old. He was 31 this year. So, yeah, I don't know if Jock Peterson would get the Phillies to the World Series, but, uh, you know, um, he, might, he wouldn't be watching if any. the Diamondbacks were reckoned again, like Rob Thompson saying that he refused to watch any of it. You know, me too, yeah. Rob. I didn't watch That's any just of swell. the World That's Series. That's just Good it. on you, Rob. I watched it. It's terrible. Um, back to the run the ball situation. Um, what what is where Kev? Where do you want to go with this? Where do you want to go with this conversation surrounding the Eagles right now? Like, are we? Uh, do we go right to the Cowboys? Do we stay on run the ball? What are you thinking? I know we're doing this live right now, and I'm trying to figure out where to go with the show. I don't know. It's weird because people say to us, they're like, okay, you know, let's focus on the Cowboys. We got to focus on the Cowboys. Like we're like, we're on the team and we have to do film meetings and study that, you know, do the preparation or whatever. We got to shift gears and crossing broad has to start preparing for the Cowboys, you know? Um, you know, it's it's interesting because like we can bring up the David Carr thing and kind of weave that in here because it was a shitty take. It was a really stupid take. You know, and then people yell at you like, "Don't share this." He just wants attention and all that. I will say, just for the sake of the argument, and the sake of this show, that uh, Derek Carr, Derek Carr, David Carr framed the argument by saying that Jalen Hurts is not one hundred percent. He thinks that's compromising them in the running game and the zone read and the RPO game. Now, to link that to the the run the ball thing, I mean, the Eagles don't really run the ball traditionally like other people do. I mean, last year they had a lot of read option, you know, pool stuff that was that was wound into it. So you, so you ask yourself, okay, how much of this is a DeAndre Swift thing versus the Jalen Hurts thing? You know, how much of it is them just not getting as much from Jalen in the running game as they got perhaps last year? You know, if you extrapolate what he's doing now, he's not going to run for as many yards as he did last year, but he's going to break his passing numbers, you know? So, and, you know, further layer on top of it is like, does he need to run the, the ball as much? But like you look at the Niners and what they do, they just line up. But with, they put Yushik out there and Christian McCaffrey just barreling forward through seven yards and they're just running behind Trent Williams. Right. I think that's more of what people want to see. It's more like a figurative like, you know, it's, it's less about how many carries you, you have versus like, can we just freaking get downhill and just pound the ball behind somebody? You know what I mean? It's more like the idea of it, of running the ball, you know? And it's like, you've got, you've got DeAndre Swift, who's proven he can do it. So you know, where are the touches, you know, it feels because it feels like, you know, you watch this like all 22 tape of these games. And I don't know how many times I feel like I'm sitting there watching Jalen, like kind of hold on the ball or backpedal when all the receivers are off the screen, you know, and there's like no easy underneath option for him or whatever. And people are saying like, schematically does it make sense like does it make sense what they're doing i don't i don't know you know it, it seems funky at times it's it's hard to like look at some of this film and be like how are they so how are they putting up these offensive numbers when they just have some stuff that looks so how are they like, 10 and like, 2 like weird yeah i don't know i think you buried the lead a little bit when when david carr said 
he Jalen struggles from the pocket at the initial read. I feel like that's kind of been buried in the. Uh, I feel like that was the, that, remember that big thing when he when they lost against the Buccaneers. And the coach came out and said he can't read a defense. Yeah, I mean, that trope comes back. But here's what happens. That I mean, then everybody, like, says, uh, you know, oh, you're criticizing a black quarterback and saying that he's stupid. I mean, uh, okay. But there are a lot of, like, white quarterbacks who can't read a defense either. It, it, is it more of a question if he can't read a defense or he doesn't want to read – he doesn't want to do anything once he gets, gets past A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Like, once he gets past his two guys that he trusts that he knows are good – Either the pockets collapse and he's fleeing, or he's like, I don't trust throwing to like Albert O, you know, or like Grand Calcaterra or something like that. So, I mean, there's, you know, quite questions that only Jalen Hurts can really answer. But like, you know, I threw that one on the site the other day of, you know, the play where he like was holding on to the ball and then he slipped and fell and took that huge loss or whatever. I mean, they're running like three kind of like 12 to 15 yard post patterns that are all kind of going to the same side of the field and uh, maybe there's a window for him to hit Devonte smith in there but sometimes i just look at it and i scratch my head and it's like all right he's looking at aj brown aj brown's not there and then kind of like you know inevitably how many how many times have you guys have all three of us watched him like flush to the right fleeing on the pocket you know throwing out of bounds or something like that you know that's what makes you wonder it's like can't they give him some well shit look at the first two drives of that game man the two biggest like passing plays they had were slants you mm-hmm. know like that little underneath, like there was a rub rather there's like a pick on the one. It's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like Tom Brady made made a career throwing these you know, little shallow, you know, passes and crossing routes and things like that. And it's like, I don't know. The, the Eagles like playbook just seems to be devoid of like some like rudimentary, like easy stuff, you know? Nick Bosa did say, uh, came out and said um, the game plan was to force Jalen Hurts to have to focus on them and their initial rush push, preventing his eyes from looking downfield and close and, and close in without giving him any avenues to escape. Well, no uh, shit. I mean, doesn't every pass rush try to do that? I mean, <laughs> we were uh, rushing the passer, and we were also hoping to contain him. The pass rush for defensive front was trying to make it hard on the quarterback. No shit. Like, what is Nick Bosa talking about there? Russ, it looks like you yeah. want to say something. <laughs> no, I'm just content. I'm just content to sit here. <laughs> Normally when Russ comes on, it's just Russ doing a lot of talking while uh, you two do a lot of talking while I sit here. Now it's me doing a lot of talking while you guys sit there. You know, Russ just doesn't have any opinions on the birds. It sounds like, do you? I do. I I do. It's just like I don't know why we're wasting our breath talking about anything that the 49ers have to say. I don't know why we're wasting our time talking about David Carr, who also surprise surprise had a hard time reading defenses, which was part of why he sucked. I mean, also, he had a terrible offensive line in front of him. But, like, we've got to stop giving a platform time and time again, not crossing broad, but, like, the entirety of the football community needs to stop giving so much oxygen to these, like, backup-at-best quarterbacks who go on to become pundits and and spew just dog shit take after dog shit take. All right? Like, and that's that's what this has become. David Carr had no chance of breaking into the media industry in a meaningful way and so he decided that he was going to go after one of the favorites for the league MVP, somebody who was the runner-up to the league MVP last year, a guy who led the Eagles to the NFC champions, like to be the NFC champions, led them to the Super Bowl, has them potentially on track to go back to the Super Bowl again this year. And he thought, you know what? I'm going to come up with my bold take. And my bold take is going to be to to pass off a lazy narrative about Jalen Hurts without any substantial or concrete anecdotes to explain how he came to a conclusion. And him couching it in this notion that, like, 
the Eagles need to let Jalen Hurts get 100% or they won't win the Super Bowl, you can make that case. But you don't have to make that case in terms of he can't read a defense. Make the case as Jalen Hurts hasn't looked right since week two running the ball. I will argue that this past week he seemed to show better explosiveness and better acceleration this past week than I thought he had in like the prior three or four weeks. But he hasn't looked physically right since week two. If it's an, I, I still think that we're going to get to the end of the season and we're going to learn that Jalen Hurts sprained his MCL or something two weeks into the season, and he's been gutting it out and playing through it. I cannot fathom that his lack of mobility or looking slightly off just comes down to like he tore his meniscus or like there's there's just like a contusion. Like I don't believe that. I think this guy's a warrior, and I think that like he probably has suffered a more important and impactful injury. And when we get to the end of the season, we might learn what it is. But like. David Carr, like who can, I honestly had no idea David Carr was working for a network, NFL network doing punditry. Like I had no clue. And honestly, once this dies down, I don't think we're ever going to hear from here's him a, again in a meaningful way. Here's a serious question for you. Do you know what show that was in which he said that? I have no idea. I'm, exactly. I'm pretty sure it was NFL network because it was on the bottom, but Craig, pull no it clue. up if you can. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the oxygen idea, Russ, because this was uh, I specifically wrote this into the Crossing Broad FAQ uh, for people who are not aware of what we do on the site. Um, the idea of why do you give oxygen to why do you get, you know, this guy just wants attention, right? So I, I, uh, I wrote that in here in the Crossing Broad FAQ. Why share commentary from Colin Coward slash Skip Bayless slash other talking heads, they're just looking for attention. My answer, perhaps, but part of what we do is keep tabs on mainstream and local media, and we point out who's authentic and who's not. It's important to call fraudulent behavior what it is, plus attention is not currency. These guys aren't taking crossing broad articles and bringing them to contract talks. The people who say that all publicity is good publicity are wrong, because if everybody thinks you're an idiot, then congratulations, all you've done is successfully grab the lowest hanging fruit from the sports media tree. And what I would say here is like, how many people are now waking up today or whatever and say, man, you know, I'm going to go turn on, you know, the NFL network when David Carr's on there, or they see an idiotic Skip Bayless thing on the site. And they say, well, you know, I can't wait to see what Skip says next. And so they're tuning into undisputed or, or whatever the hell, you know, there's an audience for these shows. It's just an audience. Like that just doesn't have, it doesn't have anything to do with like, you know what we say about them or whatever plus then you you kind of like when you shed light on these kinds of things you kind of like create these these categories like oh we know this guy's an idiot this guy's a talking head this guy's a blowhard we put him over there this guy's legitimate he's not you know it just helps people understand like who's for real and who's not i don't i don't think they're taking anything that we'd write about him or people that people write about him about him and say and they take this and they grab that and they cash in on it somehow i think the only thing i disagree with that is that the currency part like i do think like you can take your followers and be like yo i've got seven hundred thousand followers on twitter i got seven hundred thousand followers on instagram and that and that does talk and trade or yep. not trade but agent talks and and, and yep. stuff with uh, networks and stuff i mean say what you want about first take i saw a number yesterday seven hundred fifty nine thousand people tuned into first take which is insane mm-hmm. to me i don't know if anyone on this program right now anyone listening to this listens to first take but first take seven hundred fifty thousand people tuning in is pretty 
fucking impressive. Yeah, but engagement, you know, the thing that people like to yell about now is it used to be like clickbait. They accuse you of clickbait, and now the popular term is engagement. You're just farming for engagement. But yeah. engagement in a vacuum doesn't fucking do anything. It's what you do with the engage the engagement. Can you can you monetize engagement? Can you turn it into a larger audience or something? Because if 400 people are calling you an idiot, but zero of them follow you on Twitter or subscribe to your YouTube show or watch your FS1 show, then it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. There's gotta be a, there's gotta be a, uh, what am I trying to say, Russ? There's gotta be another step where people like, you know, go from there. You know, if, if the, uh, it's like click through rate, like there, there has to be, there has to be, there has to be like on no real, real quick, real quick. Like if the, if the San Francisco radio dickheads, you know, Bonte Hill and Joe Shasky or whatever, if, if them saying a bunch of dumb shit, um, passes through just seeing like a couple Twitter clips. If that gets people to go listen to the next episode that they do with like John Marks or something, then they've cashed in on the attention. But a lot of the times the attention just kind of it, it's it's nothing in in on its own. It has to be paired with some kind of. But a lot do. I mean, look at WIP. We we could say what we want about WIP, but they're just they're just running through the ratings right now. They're beating every every single one. You could say that about. Um, Fuck, I just had one on the top of my head that I just lost. But you can I mean you can say why Stephen A and Skip are so successful, man. They they keep signing these million, million dollar contracts. And again, I don't know if anyone really agrees with with their takes, you know, 20% of the time. I, I think obviously there's an entertainment factor to it. And like you said, you do have to be able to cash in, but it's kind of the stern model from back in the day from that movie. It's like, why do people listen to this guy? It's like first they hate him. Mm-hmm. I, I know Cog knows the uh, the quote. I'm going to butcher this quote, but it's like people who like him listen like an hour. People who hate him listen for two or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, just there's a lot of reactionary people there that just want to they want to hate something. They want to they want to yell about something. Like why do we watch? Why do my why do our wives and fiancés and girlfriends watch trash ass reality TV show? Like because it's it's entertainment. Yeah, but there's a there is a distinction to be drawn between having a natural like audience who's going to watch that stuff versus like whether or not a site like Crossing Broad is contributing to it. You know, I say I do think there are a lot of dumb people out there who just like they're going to listen to it regardless of whether we put any added attention into it by oh, doing yeah. like a site by doing well, a site post and saying okay. guy's an idiot. You know, I don't think we're contributing. I don't think we're getting them any extra listeners by saying like this is a shitty take. You know. Well, you're not that. getting David. You're not getting David Carr a listener. But when it happens at the local level, it certainly impacts. Like, if Joe Giulio puts out a take that somebody thinks is horrific, or Elliot Shore Parks does whatever it is that he does that pisses off so many people, right? And if Crossing Broad writes a story about it, chances are people are going to go read what he writes, or they're going to go listen because it's local and it's provincial, and that's just how it works. If you run a quote that's said by a San Francisco radio host, chances are most of the people who read that story on Crossing Broad aren't going to then go tune in just to like hate listen to the 49ers radio show. But when it happens locally and it happens with something that people would actually care about, that is like where it, it does become currency because that that can pay a tangible benefit. Like if you're a talent and you're going into a negotiation for a contract locally and you say like not only are my ratings better than what's being done at the other stations, but also – I'm constantly in headlines. Like my takes are constantly being put out there. There's additional discussion about the station and about my takes on things like that actually does have a tangible benefit for that talent. Um, it, it can work both ways though. You know, like the, the idea of the oxygen thing, right? 
I come back to like think about what happened a week ago with Coach Camille getting taken down, getting canceled, right, getting fired from his job. It was what Liberty Line put out the story uh, about him being a creep and offering a woman tickets that he didn't actually have and going back and forth and trying to get her to come out to a PHLY Flyers watch party that it didn't look like was that well attended. And then he tried to, like, get her to go to the Ritz to meet him for drinks and munchies. Like, I have no fucking idea what he was thinking. But, like, nobody knew that he was working there. But when the story came out from Liberty Line and it started to get put out there, people went, oh, I didn't even know that he was working there. How about that? And then, like, you get people who work at that outlet who then were tweeting about, like, oh, thanks for the publicity about not that but another thing. It's like, listen, if you give publicity to an outlet that isn't getting the attention they thought they were going to get, you're helping them, right? If you don't give them that attention, nobody knows it exists or very few people. It's only the diehards who will know. So are you saying that Coach Camille getting fired was good for PHLY? I think it was good from it. Yeah, actually. Uh, yeah. On two accounts, I it was. That. <laughs> One, it was good because, and I, I, I've said this a few times, I mean, no disrespect, I hope that everybody finds that their transition from the athletic or wherever else to PHLY goes really well for them, and I have no animus, right? However, that good thing point. has not caught on the way that they thought it was going to, and I still think that they're miscasting a lot of their talent in whatever it is that they're doing. Well, they were not making a lot of headlines. Coach Camille getting fired put that outlet at the forefront, and then they immediately fired the guy. It didn't go to, like, an investigation. So now, if you didn't know what that outlet was, then it's also like, hey, they also took swift action and said, this is shitty. Now, in fairness, if he's not name-dropping the company in the DMs that went viral, perhaps it's a different outcome. But because he did, it was, like, very clear. They had one decision to make. So Coach Camille will take those DMs and those stories into the next contract negotiations. He'll get an even better job. Yeah, look how much yeah. attention I generated for my employer. I had to get myself I fired. But uh, I but. do agree with Russ in a way that, like, when you're new and you're an upstart and, you know, you're coming into a, uh, a, a feverish market like Philadelphia, a crowded market like Philadelphia sports, I think this was actually, like, a good – a good can, thing I, with can I just say too? Because I think like with the, the first of all the de- the Derek Carr, D- David Carr, David Carr, David Carr, call him whatever you want. The, the, the car, same person. Car. The car thing was funny too because like if you want to make a start with a valid point about okay, well maybe Jalen's not 100 percent healthy. Maybe it's compromising something they're doing in the running game of the RPO. Get fine. But Marcus Mariota has thrown what three passes this year? What you mean, what what could make anybody think that like he you don't have no sample size to know what he even is? So how can you how can you even Call yeah, for because I think other- he did a poor job of of the the <laughs> crux of his argument was, was the Eagles' team. best chance to winning the Super Bowl is to get Jalen Hurts as healthy as possible going into the postseason. Yes, and that if Marcus Mariota plays, that means Jalen Hurts is in and he's getting healthy, and that it's better for the team if Marcus Mariota plays from a macro perspective of getting Jalen Hurts healthy and giving the Eagles the best chance of winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I get it. And fundamentally, I don't even disagree with that take. I think you're probably right. You need Jalen Hurts as healthy as can be. But I do think that, like, the other argument to make in all of this isn't just that you need Jalen Hurts to get healthy. You also need the head coach to pull his head out of his ass. And when you're down two or three scores and your franchise quarterback just came out of the tent from getting uh, assessed for a concussion, perhaps that's not the fucking time to put him back out on the field. And then, like, when you are down three scores, having DeAndre Swift go across the middle and get his head fucking taken well, off probably also thing. isn't a good isn't a good yeah. thing to do. So, like, 
there, here you go, Kevin. Like two things can be true. Like here you go. Like yes, there there are many things that can be true about it. Yeah. Pragmatic. I don't think David, David Carr's not wrong about the health of Jalen Hurts. He's 100 percent right. No, everything it's else. It's the couching of the other bullshit that he decided to try to wedge in there about Wait, reading a I, defense that was stupid and useless. Can I just say something real quick too? Uh, and this goes back to the Mike Sealski thing too, because he got killed for the Brock Purdy column because people automatically made this assumption that like you're you're you're, you're d d um you know, devaluing the black quarterback and elevating the white quarterback, you know, and it's like, I, I, I get why people are sensitive to that stuff. And there have been, you know, tropes, there were tropes years ago of like, you know, black quarterbacks are running quarterbacks. They don't throw the ball as well as, I mean, that's not, nobody's making that up, but it's just funny to, to like hear that in a case like this one, for example, where, you know, if, if, uh, you know, you had some like white quarterback behind Jalen that people were kind of high on, and people wanted to see him, then maybe you could, you know, assume that some people have some bias against him, perhaps. But like Marcus Mariota is like half Samoan and half German. This isn't like a your classic like black quarterback, white quarterback thing, you know. And like Brock, the thing with thing with the, no, no, but it's like it, it, automatically people make this assumption that the criticism is like, you know, Sielski was saying like, dude, it's just, all I was saying is that. Brock Purdy's got an underdog story. People would like the underdog story here. But then people, there's always going to be people who say like, you're, you know, demeaning the black quarterback who plays here. You have, you are a racist or something like that. I'm like, maybe, maybe something can just be stupid. Just because something stupid but doesn't the, the, mean it's racist. You know what I'm saying? The problem is Sealski doesn't have the standing to do or to write that. And then in them putting together a tweet and a promotional bit for that piece, to then put that out. There has to be a better line of communication because let, let us not forget that a couple of years ago when Jake Voracek called him a fucking weasel when the uh, the press conference was happening over Zoom, yeah, that like set off a powder keg. I remember having to have a conversation with Mike Sealski because I called him a liar on, on Snow the Goalie and then he like took offense and called me and this all this bullshit. And I said, well, your tweet the next day kind of reinforced the point that Voracek had which was that you said he was laughing at Vino, and like you fucking promoted it yourself on Twitter. Like there are receipts. Sealski, I have such a hard time with because I think he's a smart guy and I think he knows in a large part what he's doing. But what he's doing is coming off as like a, I don't know, an attempted academic dick bag half the time. And like when you write the story that he wrote, again, there can be truth to it. But you have to have that conversation with the social team or with your editor that whatever is going to get taken out of your piece doesn't highlight the thing that like could be misconstrued. There are a bunch of things in that story that could have been a perfectly fine, engageable uh, headline or an engageable bit. The thing about being a god and then that getting promoted, that's not great. Well, you that know, line, is it, is it on? Is it on is it on the social team? Line out of like, yeah, if that line, well, no, because no, I don't think it's just on the social team because I think if you read the column and you just remove that line or just change that line, then that's that's fine. You know, I mean, I, I get what people are saying about the you could just elevate Brock Purdy and talk about Brock Purdy's story without comparing it to Jalen's story. You know, and also I would disagree that Jalen Hurts is even an underdog anyway. You know, I mean, has he had some ad adversity in his career? Sure. I mean, benching an Alabama transfer. I mean, he was a Heisman candidate, a second round draft pick and played at two of the biggest schools in the country. I mean, Brock Purdy was like a seventh round pick out of Iowa State. So I don't buy that. Final point on the black quarterback thing. What, let me ask you a question. What quarterback in Phil of, of the Philadelphia Eagles has had the most criticism of anybody over the last 15 years? Donovan McNabb. Fuck, 15 years? 
Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was fucking killed like anyway. Like, so here's my point. Philadelphia will kill any quarterback. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter if he's black or white or whatever. Like when they're out on you, they're out on you. So I don't think it's like specially reserved, you know, because there's maybe there's a portion of the of white Eagles fans who have some unconscious bias against black quarterbacks. Of course, I think there's probably something to that. But they will kill the white quarterback just as much, if not more, as is proven by you know the criticism of Carson Wentz over the last whatever i mean bob and and mike and all the people are still probably calling him next next it you know zit next in their their uh you know uh, text messages and stuff like that so i think that's an overrated topic russ in fairness though the most the most disrespected or the most criticized quarterback in the last 15 years in this city is donovan McNabb. yeah because carson wentz was only here for part of that stretch well donovan Donovan still catches strays like 15 years ago donovan was gone 2009 right 2010. 15 years ago was 2008. I was in college. He got benched while I was a freshman in college for Kevin Cobb in that Baltimore game. So he's still here. The Eagles have a lot of good – but here's the other thing that people don't say too. Compared to other teams around the league, the Eagles over the last 25 years have had many years of being quarterbacked by black black men who have been very good. All the Mm -hmm. years of Randall, all the years of Donovan. Mike Mike Vick. Vick. Mike Vick coming in. Jalen Hurts now. You know, so I think it's funny that people say that about Philadelphia, like, you know, Philly wants a white quarterback. I mean, we've probably had fewer years of white quarterbacking than other other teams around the league. You know, let's do this. Top five black quarterbacks, top five white quarterbacks to play for the Eagles in the last two decades. You ready? We got Donovan (laughs) McNabb. We have Mike Vick. We have Jalen Hurts in some order. Okay. we also have Jeff Blake. He was fantastic on ESPN NFL 2K5. All right. (laughs) Best third best third string quarterback in the game. Vince Young could be a very distant number five. White quarterbacks who played in Philadelphia. A.J. Feely, Coy Detmer, Mike Mm -hmm. McMahon. Let us not forget Mike McMahon. Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. No Bobby uh, Hoying? Huh? No. No. Stop. No Bobby Hoying? Wow. So, like, let's let's also be real here about, like... Jeff Garcia. You forgot Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia's Hispanic, isn't he? God, if he's Hispanic, you're Hispanic. His last name's Garcia. Well, I mean, I mean, his family probably came over to New York. It was probably like uh, stop. Garrison, and they told and they stop. and they changed. I'm gonna to look Garcia. this up. Jeff Garcia ethnicity. I have a friend have whose whose last name is Hernandez, but that's because she married a Latino guy. Yeah. She cannot be any more white. Did Jeff Garcia marry a Hispanic man and take his last name? I think not. Garcia is of Mexican and Irish heritage per Wikipedia. Oh Suck well, on that pagan, you well, fraud. By the way, nobody nobody is more qualified to do a top five black quarterbacks and top five white quarterbacks than three 30-something-year-old white dudes who write for a sports blog. You know, we, yeah. we certainly bring the bring the credibility in (laughs) fairness if we're if we're being really honest though i did solve race relations in in this country a couple years ago with the jalen hurts gene simmons tweet which still makes the rounds on occasion it happened a few weeks ago there was a titans reporter who saw the guy doing one of the omega uh dance things and he was like oh having a dance party out here and uh black twitter went after him so then i saw it and I sent the Gene Simmons video tweet, and I said, "Sit under the learning tree," and then he got he got a little education. So, <laughs> I I'm not saying that I'm qualified, but in fairness, I'm a little bit qualified. And then the whole I mean, thing ended up with Russ at the barbecue, and it was all mm-hmm. good from there. You know, is that the oh, Black Sports Online the, story? Because that's my favorite sports, one. You got the Black, black Sports Online, black sports online. treatment. Mm-hmm. 
That mm-hmm. dude, that dude writes the best headlines in sports media. Eagles reporter Rush Joy. Eagles reporter. Right? I, that was also the best part too, because then in those tweets it was, "You're an Eagles reporter. You're supposed to know." I'm like, dude, I cover hockey. Everybody's white. Like almost like ninety nine point five percent of the league is white. Like I don't know what to tell you. And most of them are are like European or Canadian. Like I'm sorry, you know. So anyway, we got we had a nice little. What was that December of 2020, right? So that was post BLM. Yeah, that was right after yeah. BLM. Yeah. It was completely. I remember the yeah. best part of it too was I put that tweet out. I was at my in-laws, and I, we were driving home, and I get home, and like my phone has been buzzing like nonstop, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. I pull up my Twitter, <laughs> and you know, like when you do the swipe, and it looks like it it has 20 plus, and then you you keep swiping, and it keeps doing load more, load more. Well, the shit didn't stop. Like, I just kept scrolling. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And then I, f- I figured it out. And I was like, yeah. man. And then Kyle, uh, the maestro, goes, you need to delete that tweet. I'm like, I'm not deleting that tweet. There's nothing wrong with that tweet. It's a totally <laughs> innocuous tweet. He's like, you got to delete it. It looks really bad for Crossing Broad. I'm like, it really isn't, yeah. though. Like, there's nothing wrong here. So meanwhile, I wake up the next day and I'm thinking, do I delete this? Because I was a teacher at the time. I'm like, is there going to be somebody who's going to get offended and run off to our admin team or do the superintendent and say, where did you, where did you, uh, teach at the time? I was at Phoenixville. Great yeah, place. Okay. Not Great place. <laughs> um, the administrative team was two thirds black. Uh-oh. The student body, like, so you don't know your demographics here. And you have to remember, I also got my principal cert here, fella. All right. I did lots of demo work uh, on the, the student breakdown of the district. Anyway, I was a little bit worried, and then it never came up. It never happened. Nobody had a, a, an issue with it. It never came up, and I felt great about it. So well, uh, anyway, the, the, but Nate Burleson is, brought it up on Good Morning Football. Bamani yeah. Jones talked about it, and then people yeah. got very wait, mad. Was, people wait, got mad at Nate Bomani? for doing that because he put up the hooks, and, and Nate Burleson is not an Omega, so they you can't do that. So uh, oh, people went after Nate Burleson for doing that, and then – People went after Bamani Jones for giving me a pass on it for not knowing every um, every uh, black fraternity's uh, signs. Well, yeah, Bomani actually kind of so. had Russ's back. I remember I was he did. Bomani, Bomani is a very close Jones. personal Bomani friend. Bomani Jones yeah, had right. Russ's back. Yeah, he had yeah. my back. He did. Because I remember Bomani I was arguing with somebody because yeah. the whole the whole accusation against Russ is that he was like being disrespectful of like black fraternity traditions. And I remember yep. responded to one guy. I'm like, Russ is from Pottsville. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't fucking know anything about black fraternity tradition. It doesn't <laughs> he just like, he just does not know. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't know either. I didn't even know what the fuck a Q dog was until all this this started happening too. So it was just it was just oh we, nobody God. knew anything about it. It wasn't like I guess I guess the listen. Uh, I think if, if you are a reporter who is covering say the NFL right and you know or the or the NBA where there is a significant um, uh, black percentage of players in the league. There are certain things that you are probably going to know about those players and about organizations they were part of because that's just part of like getting to know the players in the locker room, right? But if you cover a very white sport, I can't imagine that that's a thing. Nor would I expect somebody who's covering the NFL to know anything about the Canadian players' thoughts on Justin Trudeau, okay? So anyway, we can, we can move on. No, seriously, this is my final point on that. How many people in general, how many white people in general would you say, just take a wild guess, how many white people in general would you say are familiar with the traditions of black fraternities? One third on this program. I watch, you ever seen Road Trip? Well, I 
with Tom yeah, Green. How, great, how great. many people have seen Road Trip though? Yeah, I mean, like you could go. <laughs> so I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just it, it was. Uh, I just I, it was hilarious. The Divine Nine, they're gonna come for you. You are Dude, fucked. Love, no, those those you are my guys, so man. You have no idea. You have no, no clue. Those are my guys, so, man. I love I love the Q dolls. By the way, have have, to, here's here's I have one other funny thing. Our our family, we decided in the summer that like we were going to go down uh, to D.C. because we wanted to take the kids to some of the museums on the mall. And the Phillies were also playing the Nationals that day. So we bought tickets, like went up to the gate, got it. What day were they celebrating at the Nationals game? They were celebrating the Divine Nine Day. So it was all of the black fraternities. And I saw the Omegas and I cheered very loudly, but not because I felt like I had to. But it was like, I know who they are and I know so much more now. Hell yeah, guys! You hooks up, you get it. So I like I felt I felt so, and then I'm standing there like, you know what? I'm an idiot. I I am very much an idiot. A lot of people were looking at me kind of weird, like, why is this guy? But I was into it, man. You were like, like oh, my last name's Garcia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was hey, a uh, episode in uh, Crossing Broad history when Russ uh, had his run in with black fraternity traditions. Nope. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to segue out of that if we're all ready. Are we ready to segue out? Do we of have that? to? <laughs> That's it. Was fun. I mean, the chat's having fun with it. They're they're having a field yeah. day over here laughing. You know. Uh, oh, wait. Should... We'll update Kyle Newsbreaker. A Philly source says they haven't signed Jock Peterson, but That's Jock Peterson. Feels like he says he signed Jock. The Phillies have signed Jock Peterson. So we have a source off. Go ahead, Kevin. Right. No. Um, speaking of confrontation, I, I feel like Pagan is doing the uh, is. Uh, I feel like Pagan's defense of Big Dom may be a little, <laughs> maybe like borderline a little bit too much right now. I feel like Why? I'm going to have to come out and take the opposite stance on the site because I do think Big Dom has to worry about overexposure here. I don't want him jumping the yeah. shark. How much big Dom, how much big Dom is too much big Dom? It's been a lot. It's like the Kelsey's and Taylor Swift, you know? Who Travis Kelsey is not getting killed as much as Tony Romo got killed for like the exact same situation, which is kind of funny, but we'll we can talk about that on another time. Um the defensive big Dom, I I don't disagree with you with the over um extension of, you know, he's he his role has to be behind the scenes. There's right. no doubt. And I think we will see him further away from the line. But it's also like, I think now we've let cooler heads prevail and you can go look at different angles. You can look at the sky cam angle, which I think is the best angle to look at to see that this was nothing. I mean, this was a guy putting his his arm on a guy in in, in full like tactical gear, basically like it, it never did anything. Drake Greenlaw's has a history of getting suspended or, or, or getting ejected from games, dirty hits and everything like that dude plays at an eleven out of 10, like every single game. Like he's not the most, you know, peaceful person. He does have a bit of a, yeah. Yeah. If that was Fred Warner, I don't think that that escalates like that. Fred Warner doesn't play like that typically. So if Sean Considine had done this, would you have been pointing to his past track record? I think not. I think we know what's going on here. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. And if, uh, if, like I just I I don't know, man, I just, uh, I think the defensive big Dom is, is, is perfectly fine. Now, there's, you know, he's showing up to foundation events now. He's walking the red carpets of stuff and everything. He was at Comcast yesterday, but he's at Comcast because Jordan Mailata was was signing autographs and Bryson Stott was signing autographs. So, like, people want to take pictures with Big Dom. Pictures are okay, though. Interviews, 
Or you not. think this has gone to Big Dom's head? Is that what you're saying? You're, you're thinking that he's no, he's starting no, no, to he's starting to no, assert himself guy. a little bit. He's starting to put Big himself Dom, into the spotlight a little bit too much. Big, huh? No, 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 no. Again, Big Dom is my guy. I would defend Big Dom to the death. He's a crossing broad reader. Uh, he 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 enjoys us. I would defend Big Dom till uh, till I can't defend Big Dom anymore. I just think this witch hunt for him is 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 out of line. Um, I think people are looking for him to be banned for life. I think people are like he like I I think. The all like, like it makes me like uh, think of like the um, like you ever go to the uh, you ever on TikTok or Twitter and you see those videos of like Karens going nuts and stuff mm-hmm. or people fighting with like Karens and stuff. One person touches another person and goes, "You assaulted me." Like the assault culture in this. Country, oh it's, yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that shit drives me like, crazy. You were calling for that's an assault. You touched yeah. him. That's an assault. I'm gonna like, file that's... charges. Should Dre, Dre Greenlaw should file charges against me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that shit. That like, whole family is tough. Yeah. We have we have lost it on uh, on assault culture and, uh, and and law culture in this uh, in this city. So I just think like kind of the takes have gotten a little too. Over there, so I wanted to balance them more with uh, yeah. a couple of the articles. I'll tell you what: if they got, if Greenlaw could get um, Krasner to prosecute uh, Desandro, we know that Desandro would get off with it. There'd be no, uh, there actually would be no prosecution at all. He would just, it'd just be fine. So Mike McCarthy has appendicitis. He's in the Poor hospital. Guy. Is that going to cop? Is that well? Is that a be- benefit to the Eagles or not a benefit? Well, if you ask, if you ask Cowboys fans, I mean, they are scoring like. 40 points a game, basically. So I think, and he's taken over play calling. So head coach Mike McCarthy experienced abdominal pain this morning and has been diagnosed with appendicitis. He is scheduled to undergo surgery later today. The Cowboys still expect him to coach on Sunday night versus the Eagles. Well, it'll be the, uh, there's a storyline for the national media, you know, Mike McCarthy, you know, um, after suffering all week, comes back for Ooh, a, you know, a big, a big win or something. You know, I mean, that is good. Bake that in there. Can I make a real quick final Dom? Uh, Dom, I almost said Dom Brown. Dom Brown point. A big. Please Dom. make a Dom Brown point first. Actually, there yeah, love a Dom, Dom Brown. Cowboys there, fan, Dom Brown. There is that's no right. Dom Brown. Maybe that's why it was in my head. Maybe that's why the the slip. Dom Brown there. though right, shows up Brown, a lot of Dom Brown point. events. Oddly, he still lives in the area. He's always photographed at the Phillies yeah. games and Sixers games and everything. Go ahead. Sorry. People yeah. saying Sirian. Well, it's, you know, to your point, man, like Kyle Shanahan kind of like softened his stance on Big Dom the day after Nick Sirianni said he was just trying to defuse the situation. D-E-F-U-S-E, by the way, if you write D-I-F-F-U-S-E, it means you're trying to like do, diff, diff, you know, diffusion or something. So. Yo, Encyclopedia Britannica, get on with the point. My goodness. Right. Um, people say, well, you know, he's just protecting. He's just diffusing the situation. Right. But was that his situation to defuse, right? Everybody's understanding is that the security guy is there to like, you know, if a fan gets too close or like, you know, a a guy tries to walk in front of Spud's live shot, then he puts a hand on him and pushes him away. But I mean, you have a, like it's in-game shit. That's the difference. He barely touched the guy, but it's just a matter of like, he shouldn't be, the, the thing that people are saying is like, he shouldn't be involving himself in the actual game itself. You've got the officials there to help separate everything. If there was some huge blow-up brawl on the sideline and everybody got involved, so be it. But you also see the the Eagles' strength coach running up and down the sidelines all game long, right? Ted Rath. He yeah. grabs Devontae Smith by like the waist and pulls him back. So if Big Dom did that, I mean, nobody would be saying anything. Right? It's, it's just contacting the play, the other player on the field 
regardless of like whether he barely touched him or like shoved him, you know, it's, that's, that's all it is. You know, it's just different sport by sport. Like when me and Craig were down there with like when Ben Simmons came back, like there was probably four security guards like that were behind the bench and like mm-hmm. around everybody just in case something happened. I think when do, when, when players start to kind of brawl and everything, I don't always know if the security guys, they look like coaches. That's why it's so hard to spot them out. They wear the same yeah. practice gear or, or game day gear that the coaches wear. Um, you know, I think they probably go more for the guys on the bench, but if it really, really escalates, I'm sure they do. Like they would. Well, here's a, you do you remember how when we had the Phillies, when we had security guard Gary on right a yeah. couple of weeks ago with the Phillies thing, big dude, and we brought up the video of the guy who follows Lionel Messi up and down the sidelines, right? You know, Same and he's like scanning for fans running on the field and shit like that. But if like somebody puts in like a bad tackle on Messi, and Messi gets up and they're jawing at each other, each other, shit, he's not, he's not go, he's not going in there to like to separate no he's not running on the field he's not going to be involved not, not running on the field but if it happens into the sideline i wouldn't be surprised if they were if they were breaking no I, up. I would there there's like a very clear place that security belongs if greenlaw had gone after nick sirianni or a member of the coaching staff or a non-player by all means dom DeSantis should be involved they're not part of the game they are not combatants on a uh, on the field of a violent sport if a fan runs onto the field and atta- uh, attempts to attack a player, Dom DeSandro should be involved, right? Yeah, but when it comes to a scuffle between players, there's no need. None. Let the players figure it out. You know what I was thinking of? Do you remember when uh, Jason Peters, who was it from the Redskins, or, or from, excuse me, the Washington football team, the commanders, who like put like a late hit on Foles or something like that? Like five or Wasn't six it Kerrigan? Years? No, it was um, no, it was, uh, it was uh, Jonathan Allen Baker or something like that, or no, I think it was a somebody Baker. hit somebody hit him, and Jason Peters went like ape shit, yeah, and there was like, a lot of guys around. T from the TO three, Sam Baker, my man. Okay, yeah, Sam Baker, right? Yeah, now see, that's where I would like if Big Dom and a bunch of dudes jumped in on something like that. I don't think anybody would say anything because that shit was getting out of control, and it's like, yo, we got to get this like taken care of, right? But in this case, it's like you know. Two guys get up, you know, <clears throat> Devontae gets up and he's kind of like taking umbrage. And so, so what's the alternative? Devontae Smith goes after the guy and hits him back. And now we have all setting 15 yard penalties. Like there have been some pretty shitty, like there was one yeah. uh, this earlier this year, Steelers, Green Bay, Green Bay at the end of the game, they knocked someone into the Steelers sideline. And there were some guys, you know, all around him and stuff after the, after Green Bay intercepted to win the game. I mean, there's been some like, like, do you want Andre Johnson versus Cortland Finnegan? Cause that, that's what I'm thinking about when you guys are that's like, fine. Hey, we should let, we should let Helmets people settle off. it. Like, off, let you know, them do guys, are, guys are ripped. You want another uh, Miles Garrett, um, uh, whatever that quarterback name from Steelers was situation. Like I, the, the big Dom, de-escalated the situation like i have a very very and, simple and, point and, here uh, about yeah, fights and sports this, like this weird this weird like assault culture and i'm listening to fred warner's podcast yesterday god bless my soul his girlfriend stinks um it's just like <laughs> he's just like a player a player touched him he touched a player he touched a player he like we we i just feel like we i don't know where it, it like became a thing where it was like a, a a little nudge into once again a guy wearing full pads has become like oh my god he touched a player like i know this it's like this pussy culture the situation whoa yeah. what 
Man, no, no, it Kevin, is. I mean, Kevin's it's like, I, you know, if, if I would like people are like, you know, all this like press charges culture and like, you know, he, he assaulted him. I'm, I'm with Peyton on that one. I think it's so stupid. I sent Craig something if he can pull it up here. I do. You, do you remember a couple of years ago when Joel Embiid and uh, Eric Bledsoe got into a thing on the court and the Sixers security chief like ran onto the court to separate it? But he looks like Stephen A. Smith. Right. And so people were asking why Stephen A. Smith ran on ran onto the <laughs> the court to to play that Craig if you if you can see like now this is a situation where you got like eight guys going at it the ref is able to kind of bear hug two of them but then the security guy comes and runs in then so but that's a Sixers security guy so technically he touched a guy the same way Dom touched a guy but this like is that, what I'm saying I think that was a situation when there's so many bodies there and they they were outnumbering the officials like I wouldn't have any issue if like Dom got in I mean like one of the assistant coaches from the pace uh from uh, the Bucks gets in there too and like, see, that's where I would draw the distinction, right? Like, I, he doesn't have to be in there on some stupid one v one thing where the two officials are there. But like, if you had some knockdown, drag him out thing going, if this was malice at the palace, and Ron Artest was throwing a cup at a fan or or whatever, you know, then then or vice versa, then whatever. You'd, you'd, but, be, um, you'd be shocked to to hear how many people on social media don't <laughs> agree with you. If it was malice at the palace, they think Big Dom should sit on his hands and watch the show. Well, a lot of people are just like we're we're pussies now. It's like I don't know, you know, if somebody like did something like that to me, or I, I would never press charges against somebody for something stupid like like. Also, that. if if Big Dom was nicknamed Little Tony, is this even a big idea? Is this even a, if if Big Dom is it Big Dom, Little if, Tony, Meatballs, Marinara, they're yeah, a really good yeah. security like, crew together, you know. Nobody's nobody's mad at little Tony on the sideline. Little Ted, we'll call him Ted Rath because Ted Rath's a little smaller. If any, if little Ted is the security official and everything, like, is anyone really mad at this? Like, like if Big Dom's not staring these guys in the face or sometimes looking down on them, if Dom's not six 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 five three hundred three fifty, like, is this a big deal? Like, I think it would become a meme if it was like a guy Russ's size who was like jacked as shit and Skinny was like Joey Merlino. Yeah, yeah. What if it was that's, Joe, yeah. that's why people are so mad, though, is because Dom is bigger than virtually every guy on the field. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a big dude. And like this is where this is how like kind of his like notoriety started. Everyone was just like, who's that dude behind Nick Sirianni? Who's that dude behind Chip Kelly? Who's that dude behind Doug Peterson? I mean, if we if we think about it, though, like his his whole like uh, media stuff didn't just start this year. He was in Tostitos commercials with Chip Kelly. Back in like fourteen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I said gotten Craig. so much play. It's Cowboys Week, and we're talking about the head of security like, and a player from the 49ers. Are you kidding me? But it, we're almost are, an hour into the show. We've done no talking about the biggest game of the season coming up. No, no, you're not about a game that could potentially determine the NFC East winner yes. and potentially cost the Philadelphia Eagles the top seed in the in the in the, in the National Football Conference. And instead of talking about, about fucking dumb decisions and the fact, fact that he was putting his hands on Greenlaw, who gives a shit? It's over. It's over. It's a must like win. Six one zero six three two. No one's listening. You sound like the camera when you get really mad. Like <laughs> he does that kind of voice too. Hey, pull pull that up, Craig, if you can. We no have one, uh, exclu exclusive video here of Don DeSandro. No one um, comes. Oh, Jesus, what is this? Uh, hey. Oh no! Oh, Elon! Hey, where's the freaking gabagoo? <laughs> uh, uh, is that Gargano? You motherfucker! You motherfucker! Don't make me. I thought, 
I thought that was Gargano. That's not Gargano. Okay. <laughs> Stop. No, this guy who does these impersonations of when Brian Kelly went down to LSU and he started talking with a Southern accent. Yeah. He, he did like a spoof of him if he took the Rutgers job, and it was like a Tony Tony Soprano kind of thing. So anyway, Listen, we're Rush, trying to no get Craig's internet here. working. No one, no one comes on this show or comes to this show for for hard hitting analysis. On uh, on next week's or this week's game, I'll, I'll yeah, tell let's you that. break down the Cowboys game. I'm going to give you my my key matchup. I'm going to give you my yeah. five key matchups for the Cowboys game. Would you go offensive line to the birds, or would you go offensive line to the Cowboys? Do you want to go line by line? Yeah, I would. I would just take the angle of like let's talk about the significance of the game because there's tremendous significance. There is tremendous significance. But it's not my show. Ahead, it's not my show. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Oh, no I'll, shit. I'll just, no, well, there we've talked here. about it. The game is really important. The end. You know, Russ, like Russ goes. This is not my show. That's never stopped them before. It's not my show. Russ wants it to once do was my no show. Sh- sh- I built this show with Kyle Laskowski and with Adam Lefko. We built a very really beautiful show. show. We had, we had a great show. It was a beautiful beacon of light on a hill. <laughs> hey, shout out to Lefko, by the way. Just had his first kid. Good on him. Hey. Good on him. Russ is on his 10th right now. Yeah, Russ is on his 10th. Um, <sighs> when are you guys having your 10th kid, Russ? Never. We're done at four. Nice. Congratulations. Done at four. Thank uh, you. On the procedure. I appreciate that. Yeah. Did you do it around uh, March Madness time? I don't remember when I had it done. I've tried to black out that entire. You don't remember that? Ordeal. I feel like I, they no. would be like an anniversary. Happy birthday to no. when my dick stopped being a man. To when I stopped being a man. I don't think you understand how this works. Well, I, I yeah, I know a lot of people like who are. <laughs> Peg is sitting there thinking, so you had a dingly and then yeah. to chop it off. You're no. a eunuch. I know you're a eunuch right now. <laughs> no, stop. I'm you not the eunuch from Game of Thrones. Old right Varys. No, stop. Do you think somebody who does vasectomies would give us a discount for every additional person I bring with me to get mm-hmm. You know what? I think that that's a really great place to look for a sponsor. Get yeah. a urology uh, office and call it the CB Snipped. Use promo code CB Snip. Yes. When you Use get your, your vas deferens cut this uh, this winter. Do you think the guy, the urologist who flipped the double birds to Russell Westbrook? Do you think he does vasectomies? I don't know. I'd be like, I'll bring three people with me if you give me a 10% discount per additional person that I bring. It'll be like signing up for any sports book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bring a friend, you know? Cut the bullshit. A two for one. A two for one discount. Coach Snashy. Okay. Anyway, let's get this thing uh, back on the rails here. The NBA in season tournament resumes uh, this weekend, gents. Huh? Yeah, and they got outdrawn by Raw. Well, a lot of things get outdrawn by Raw, don't they? But no. I'm just saying, well, like, what did they get? Well, Raw had 1.55 million this week. And they had, what, 1.1? And then I don't even think uh, the other game got over a million um, people. Obviously. I would bet you that in the third hour of Raw, they were outdrawn by the West Coast game because there tends to be a 20% or so drop off by the end of the three hour show, which I know because I follow these things. For the greatest wrestling podcast, it's just wrestling. I keep how about up with we, I have to. How about we end to. it on this one? A question from the. From no, the- I don't want to talk wrestling. Huh? No one on the show comes here to talk about wrestling. Yeah. T from the 203 wants to talk about wrestling. Good. Okay. T from the 203 can go to where, Russ? It's just wrestling. There we go. <laughs> it's just wrestling. It's a great show. Yeah. Hey, T, Not after we're done here, you can go check that one out. Um, I do want to talk about like We should hire a wrestling writer. We should. No, we, we, we would benefit more from hiring a UFC writer. 
than we would hire from a wrestling runner because there's so many people in the Philly area who are good. That is not even close to true. I I wish. Well, I but I think (laughs) I'm Varus. Yes, the eunuch. The eunuch. Um, We would get we would get substantially better numbers with a pro wrestling writer than we would a UFC. It's not even close. Yeah, but we would be able to do more content with uh, with with UFC than we would with. uh, No, you couldn't. That's insane. That's With a that many is, UFC that is a, bare knuckle that is a, boxing people no, that, that live is, in this area or from this area. You're a liar. That is a no because well, see, this is this is a, a lack of understanding of the business, Pagan. I will educate you now. Because when you have a domain authority on things, and when you have a site that hits as well as Crossing Broad tends to, you can have national stories. And pro wrestling as a community eats this shit up much more than UFC fans do. But it's okay. It's totally fine. I'm thinking I mean, of I a don't know. localized I, I would tell you Philadelphia blog. You, you write about the return of CM Punk at Survivor Series. That's going to do, I don't know, 40X, whatever it would have on, been from the past weekend's UFC fight night on a Saturday. But that's just me. Broad? On Crossing 100%, Broad? 100%. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. For me and... The Blue Meanies right uh, there. And, Blue uh, Meanie, I'll tell you. Right there. Blue Meanie's got it. What? Relax. I'm just telling you. Meanie. Um, love Meanie. Um, no, I'm saying that like you think it would do 40 more X than me and uh, me and Kinker going down to Kensington and getting put in a chokehold by Eddie Alvarez and tapping out. That's a piece of video content. I'm talking about written content. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, 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 just I'm throwing just, scenarios out there. Saying. All right, I got one more for you, Craig. Uh, Nick Sirianni says he saw the run the ball fans outside the Novacare complex. We sent them coffee. I love our fans, their passion, their energy. It's not the first time I've heard run the ball, and you know what? We do need to run the ball. I appreciate their energy, and I know they'll have the same energy when they are cheering us on. So Nick Sirianni even says, "Run the ball." Pandering, pandering. All of the beat reporters were wrong this morning. Take it that. was, uh, yo, was wrong. I, was I heard you guys talking about this before I came on, and you're a hundred percent right. And it is a disgrace that the Eagles beat writers as a whole have like fallen into this collective mentality that they all need to like suck up to the uh, to the team. That's not good. I told you. I told Kevin. There used to be, just, there used to be dissenting viewpoints. There used to be yeah. more than like a Jeff McClain that was willing to ruffle the feathers. That's a fucking disgrace. We need it, to get it like, back it is, to the time. Is, we need to get it back to the time where Eagles beat writers would punch each other in the face. One hundred percent. It's a hive mindset. You know why it is though? Like I think we all know why, right? Because winning. they were no, because they were limiting which reporters they were giving information to or giving access to. And so that like you weren't getting 30 people that were getting access. You were getting like six or seven that were getting access to certain uh, certain information ahead of time. And so now everybody's trying to be part of that group. And I guess if you fall in line, you'll get it. And if you're the Eagles, then like it doesn't matter to you because you're everybody's going to be looking for content that's about your team. So they're in like a position of power there. But it is a sad it's a sad state of affairs when that kind of thing happens. I've always said this with Kev. Like, I think we need an alt right reporter. I think that would ruffle some feathers. Just Bring John right John Boric back, yeah. I yeah. mean, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of Republican. Mm-hmm. Fox fans. News yeah. is sending a reporter to yeah. the Eagles complex to cover the Burks. Yeah, just to balance things out, man. There's enough far left. Yeah, media, fake fake too many news, too many media. fake news libs in the uh, in the Eagles beat department. Is what I say. Yeah, is, still, is he still doing his site? Is he still running that website? No, I, I don't know. Who you know what? The Philly Philly fan brings up a good thing in the comments. We've touched if, on uh, everything. We've touched to on race. Yeah. But like Philly fan said, who doesn't want to be the fifth media member to tweet the exact same new release or news so release? It's, it's, and it's, 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 it's so interesting. Listen, I can talk this talk a bit, right? Our show. 
partnered with the Flyers. I spend pretty much every show saying John Tortorella is not the guy to lead the team into the future, that he's not a guy who can develop players, and that I also think that, like, if um, I'm, I'm not – I want to be very careful how I say this, but, like, there's a Hockey Canada investigation that's out there, and, like, Carter Hart was part of that team, and nobody knows if he was part of it or not, but we touch on that. And we're partnered with the team. We don't work for them, but we're partnered with them, and we're still very critical of the team. But these Eagles writers who work for independent outlets are afraid to rock the boat. Think about how stupid that is. Think about like how sad that is. And some people might not care. They might think that it doesn't matter, but it does. Like in the grand scheme of things, it does matter. You know? Wait, wait, wait. Otherwise now, did, you aren't. Did, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you guys not just sell out to Comcast to go yeah. do snow the go? Okay. Yeah, we what did we se- are you saying did we sell out or are you saying did we not sell out? What did you well, say? Well, who controls the narrative now, right? We do because it's Snow built into it's built into our partnership. <laughs> I'm trying to troll you because you're doing a partnership with the uh yeah. <clears throat> with the flyers. By the way, it looks like Jock Smack is no longer uh Damn. the site can't the site can't be reached. Um oh, so I don't know. I sent it to Craig. Maybe he'll have better luck, but I don't think oh, Jock Smack is uh is around anymore. Is it? oh Damn. Yeah. Oh. all right. Well rest, Jock rip, Smack? Rip, Jock smack. Yeah. It Boric started the site after he left the, you know, because he had the thing where he uh came out and said, like, I don't want my kid wearing pink or something like that. And then everybody was mm. up his ass. But everybody knew he was a conservative. Like it said in his Twitter profile, like a conserv conservative, you know. So he got out of the the news game and he started a website that was supposed to be like the intersection of sports and uh conservative politics. And I found John I found John Boric on LinkedIn. So after leaving NBC Sports Philadelphia, he went to go work for WGAL, NBC station in Lancaster. Then he became a product specialist at Subaru of America for a year in Concordville doing sales. Then he moved on to Forever Media, specializing in custom campaigns for clients and potential clients of Forever Media Group in Wilmington. Uh, and now, as of uh, the last year and four months, he's been a he's founder, a, he's producer, a, he's and operations host. for Fly of uh, Raising a Champion podcast. I don't know what that is, but apparently he's doing the Raising a Champion podcast. So, yeah. yeah. Does the uh, does Philadelphia need an alt-right reporter, 610? <laughs> I think it yeah. would spice it up a little bit. Just I'll tell you what, 97.5 could not hurt by starting it. 97.5, listen, <laughs> like there are very few ways to try to like fix that, okay? Um, okay, so let's play this game. How do you fix 97.5 The Fanatic? Get that off, Craig. What are you doing? (laughs) Okay. Let's picture for a second that 97.5 goes the Clay Travis route, okay? Okay. And they start reporting on the teams from a very, very right-wing leaning viewpoint. Okay. Is that how they come? Yeah, that's their resurgence. Like, that's their resurgence. They hire Dan Cilio. Like, they just go crazy, right? Like, they just, they go after it. They have Seth Joyner does like a six hour show uh, where he just says everybody sucks. Women at Penn? Not allowed. Not allowed by 97.5. Like, just imagine. I would love to see what the ratings do. It can't be worse. Right? Seth, yeah, yeah, Seth Joyner could talk about climate climate change yeah. uh, or the or the lack thereof. Get that uh, get that Nick Adams USA guy from Australia on. <laughs> yeah, he could do a segment with Tebow every week, probably. Yeah, like you know? they quit, they quit on Carson Wentz too early. Carson Wentz still in the league, NFL quarterback. They didn't like Carson Wentz because he had the AO one Foundation and he believes in Jesus. Six one zero six three two. Like imagine yeah, that could be a thing. Could be a great thing. I, they're banning books, like banning banning uh, Brian Johnson's playbook. 
Yeah, I think, there, I think there's, there's a route here. They're banning. Well, I think yeah. there's a route here. Listen, can I Josh mean, Innes lead the charge at 97.5 <laughs> as they go full scorched earth before they turn into a country music station? 610, 632. It'll be interesting. Well, Republicans be buy sneakers too, as yeah. we've come to learn. Uh, we just, saw his playbook. We saw Brian's playbook. He doesn't have any runs. The only runs are the ones that go in the pants of the grandparents. Very sad. And he needs to run the ball. We all love to run the ball. Like, Sirianni's doing this thing today about, like, we also know we have to run the ball. Well, no shit, dude, but you're the one who calls the plays. You're the one who puts the fucking game plan into, like, yeah. don't give up after nine runs. Like, what are we yeah. doing? I, actually, the funny thing is, the guy who works for the team, Dave Spadaro, probably answered or gave us uh, the first time into the playbook of like what's going on. And usually he's like all sunshine and rainbows, no matter loss or no matter win and stuff. And the, the, the probably the greatest morsel of information we got about what goes on is coming from the team employee, which is absolutely insane. And it was on a Reddit. It was on a Reddit. Ask me anything. I do have to say my biggest criticism of the beats this year is that they just continue to ask about injuries to the point where Sirianni came out last week and he's like, I'm not going to fucking tell you anything, you know? And then like the first three questions are like about injuries. And it's like, uh, he's not, he has not given anything about that all year. Long. So you're just wasting questions. You know what I mean? And then you could take it further and say, are the press conferences useless in general? Probably. But I mean, you know, you're asking questions that you know, you're not going to get answers to. So, you know, yeah. yeah. Somebody has uh, to ask. I'm sure I'm doing you can't, you can't, you can't do it like four different ways. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like somebody has to ask the question because it's just doing due diligence, but like wasting three or four questions doesn't make any sense. Yeah, a little, uh, little housekeeping items. Yamamoto, uh, the Mets owner, Steve Cohen, flew out to Japan last week to go see him. Uh, once again, the uh, Phillies have not signed Jock Peterson as of this moment. Is it um, okay to be upset with, with the Phillies for not doing anything of real yeah. value here? Yes. Like I'm actually irritated about yes. it. I genuinely am. Like yeah. truly, how do you the how do you know if they're doing anything of real value or not? Nobody thought they were going to sign Bryce Harper. Well, because no, the, the most recent no, report is that they're not in there. They're yeah, always linked the, to Bryce Harper. One hundred percent. There's always there links a, to Trey Turner. There's there's links to like we're going to work the edges. We're going to check the fringe. You know, we're hoping some guy who might want four years as a reliever actually only wants one year as a reliever after we just watched a thirty eight year old washed up Craig Kimbrell give up a game tying home run in Game Four and just completely light the light the NLCS on fire. Like I just I there don't was know. also I'm the connection there. Was, love him, but there was the rumor about Juan Soto. He's gone, right? He didn't he go to the Yankees or, the or Yankees. whatever. Um, there was the early indication that they might have been in on Yamamoto, but then yesterday it was reported by two guys, uh, I forget, maybe Morosi and somebody else, that the Phillies aren't even in like the upper echelon of offering to Yamamoto. You know they're not in on Otani, unless unless the super secret of free agency is because the Phillies are somehow involved. Now listen, I'll eat my shoe, all right? If the Phillies end up being the team that gets Shohei Otani, I'll eat a shoe right Actually, on the on the show. Craig, clip that, please. Well, I'll, um, eat, I'll eat a shoe. Yeah, It's not going to happen. Dash. I want the rust dash with the shoe. The rust dash. But like, it, it is upsetting to me that this team is very good. We all know that they're very good. They have some streaky hitters. Trey Turner, you think, is not going to be dog shit for a significant part of the season like he was this year. You hope that Bryce Harper's back to MVP form. You can make a, a plausible case here that like lineup-wise, they're fine, and they'll have to deal with streaky Nick Castellanos and JT Romuto. Fine. But not addressing the rotation where it's Zach Wheeler 
whatever you get from Aaron Nola, Suarez is fine, and then who knows? Uh, you have that, and then the back end of the bullpen is still like a giant question mark. It's like they didn't pay attention to the thing that killed them in the playoffs this year. I don't get it. I just, I genuinely don't understand it. I'm not saying they should go after Blake Snell. I'm not saying they should have gone after Hater. But like, there to be no murmurs of potential trades about like the Phillies are actively searching the trade market for a top end starter. There's none of that. None. Like there, there have been, there have been no murmurs of it. Like where is it at? Murmur. There's a little murmur. Where's the murmur? The murmur. I think Lauber had a thing where uh, Dombrowski said that they were. Uh, potentially looking for a reliever or potentially looking for a starter, Corbin Burns. Because um, they have a lot of uh, they have a lot, they have a lot of prospects. They have a lot of prospects. They also have some guys that, like, you're kind of wondering where, you know, where they fit on the team and everything. But I don't disagree with you, Russ. I know the, I know we got, you know, 300-plus million, you know, dedicated around to uh, to a couple guys, and the lineup should be good, and the lineup should be, you know, playing well. But I'm just afraid it's, it's going to come down to the playoffs again, and the bullpen is just going to eat shit. Hundred percent, and they haven't done anything to assuage those concerns. Yeah, and I know the so. I know the lineup didn't you know didn't play that well, uh, you know, in the NLCS in the in the back half of the NLCS. But like, we win Game Four, we're in the World Series, and that was yep. because of uh, uh, eighth inning bomb uh, yes. from Craig Kimbrell. So, hey Kincaid, by the way, because mm-hmm. I'm guessing Pagan's about to close it up. Um, ha- you've followed the Union a lot more than I have this year. Does it feel like the rose is off, or the bloom is off the rose with the union after how things ended and how things went with Wagner and how things went with like the way that it appears they're parting with Bedoya? Yes. Yeah. People seem to think they've hit like a ceiling or that this window, particular window is closing, you know, that it's kind of like, well, that was fun now. Yeah. Like serious questions, you know, especially like Messi coming in and people, all these other teams like spending money now and, you know, they're going to up their game. Right. They got an offer out to Wagner, they said, though. But, like, you know, if the fan's going to go for the racist shit. Like, if he comes back, I can't imagine he goes back. It's probably just a bona fide offer extended to him. He'll probably go somewhere else. Pagan, the reason that I bring that up is because we could get the, Phillies, the, the Phillies have done a really good job of building up equity with their fan base again in the last couple of years. And Middleton's done it because he splashed the cash. Again, all the people who complain about the contracts, it's not your money. But that can go away very quickly. The union went from the most hated ownership in the city to they put in a really competent front office guy in Ernst Tanner. The team was likable. Things were trending the right way. It was no more like LOL union. Things were trending the right way. And then this year, things kind of fell off. It felt The fan base felt like their players were being mistreated by the uh, front office and by potentially ownership by not splashing the cash. I'm just pointing out that while the Phillies, I think have built up some equity, if they don't go into this offseason aggressively, if they don't come out with an improved team and they go into next year with the same holes in the rotation and the back end of the bullpen that they ended the last season with, that's going to be a significant problem for them, not just attendance wise, but buy-in wise. And it's going to go farther because this past season, it was the end of the regular season. People started to buy in and they were obviously there for the playoffs. But if you go in with such a flawed roster again, you might not see the fans come back to the park in a meaningful way until the playoffs. Like that's, that's what they could run the risk of. I agree with you. And Kevin ruined it by pulling up that comment that made me laugh. <laughs> Philly sign of Tani Pagan should do a 24 hour crossing broadcast, five hours of Ford. I agree with Ford. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, Ford, Ford's Ford, coming on. I want to hear Ford. Game. I like want to know what Ford looks and sounds like because you would Ford not, keep, you'd be surprised. Ford calls me the white Marcus Hayes like 40 times every time I'm on here. 
He just wants right. to get his point across. Uh, by the way, I just want to say I think we could do a like you know six to ten p.m. on our alt right ninety seven five the fanatic <laughs> show. We could have, uh, we could pair J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. with uh, with Riley J.K. Gaines. Dobbins. <laughs> well, not J.K. Dobbins. Should we sign J.K. J.K. Rowling, or should we should we ban J.K. Rowling and sign yeah. J.K. Dobbins for the witchcraft? And then we could get Martina Navratilova to join them as a special guest once a week. Uh, quick predictions for the game because I know people love predictions. Uh, Russ, we'll start with you. For the I'm not starting this. I'm okay, not starting fine. this. I've got the Cowboys winning, but I think the Eagles play well. I just think they lose to a to a Dallas on the road, like we probably thought they were going to. I have the Cowboys winning 31 to 27. Cow- haven't beat the Cowboys since 2017. Russ, do you want to go now or should I go? You go. Jesus. Um, I loved that prediction, Kev, um, but I went against the Eagles last week, so I feel like if I go against them two weeks in a row, I'm kind of just an asshole. So I'm going to go with the Eagles squeezing one out in a fun 38-35 game. Shaq Leonard makes a play, and a significant play. He will. It'll be him getting burned by CeeDee Lamb over the middle. I have a really bad feeling about this, and I tend to go into games against Dallas in Dallas feeling like this offense is going to like perform very well. I'm genuinely concerned, and I'm genuinely concerned about the yeah, lack you're, of you're linebackers. You're sliding and your so seat lower and lower. I think that um, there is a non-zero chance that this is a 42-17 game. I think there's a chance oh that the God, Eagles are going to lose worse, they're gonna lose worse than they did. I think, I think there's a legitimate chance that they get their doors blown off and everybody goes into full panic mode on Monday. Oh, I, I, I won't like, be here Monday. Don't get me wrong. If, uh, I want the Eagles to win more than anything, 100%. Do I think that Jalen Hurts could will them to a win? I do, but there are significant concerns that I have, and I don't think that this defense with, with no linebacker depth matches up well with, with a Dallas offense in Dallas. I don't, and I hate that. I genuinely do. I, I wish I could say 38-35 and Jalen Hurts leads them down the field. But I, I think that the defense is going to get torched. Was that me? No, I'm, I, I just in general. I literally just gave out 38-35, and now you're doing impressions of Bert Oh, no, I didn't, I, I didn't pay attention to your score. I'm sorry. No, I mean, if they only score 17 points against this defense, Brian Johnson's head might be on the chopping block. Which I mean, is good. Dino you scored could, a shit ton in Dallas yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that's the thing. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think Dallas is going to score a bunch of points, but I don't think the Eagles are going to be. Yeah, I mean, or maybe Nick Sirianni's head will be on the chopping block because we don't know who calls plays unless Spuds is the one answering the question. So I'll tell you what I'm going to be more interested in, though, is post game, because I want to see what happens with Darius Slay and Seth Joyner on Twitter. That to me is a very intriguing storyline. Yeah, well, so who fires the first shot is where I agree with Seth. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate you guys coming on. All right. Russ, I appreciate you coming on. Good show. We covered everything today. We talked about black quarterbacks. We talked about alt-right um, radio Turn stations. Nobody, nobody is – everybody else is afraid to talk about these topics, but we dive right into them. Yeah. Name you another show in Philadelphia who's going to talk about the things that matter. Mm-hmm. We go there. Bob Lankin slash the- Crossing Broad. Bob would have slid off the show four times, um, but Russ, Russ is all about it, you know. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, listen, everybody. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Go birds. Um, we will talk to you on Monday. Uh, have a good weekend. Enjoy. Do something nice, you know, with the family. Don't eat uh, some gabagool. Eat some gabagool. Punch an opposing player eggs. in the chest, you know. Free big dom. Go outside. Emotional hedge. Cowboys money line. <laughs>